If Emma, you ready to come up? Come on. The, uh, as Emma's coming up, the, the point of these series is, we'll introduce Emma in a moment, come and take a seat, Emma. The point of these series, an audience with, is that it says in Revelation really clearly that we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And the, the blood of the Lamb is, is ultimately what Christ did on the cross when he died. So he won the victory there, but by the word of the testimony. Yeah. Anyone read that yeah. in Revelation? By the word of the testimony. And if we want a, a, a church that's on fire and a people and we're hungry for that, that want more and more of God, then we, we need to be sharing our experiences and, and what God's done for us. Um, and so that's the purpose of this. And Emma's got an incredible testimony I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her in a moment. I'm not really going to introduce her too much because uh, we're going to do that as part of the, of the testimony. Let's, come on, let's move a bit closer together. It feels like you're, you're far apart there. Um, but um, so the, the purpose of this really is that you get to know Emma really. So an introduction would be a bit odd really, wouldn't it? I suppose, Emma. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm really good. We've... When I say we, with my wife as well and, and other people as well, we've just come back from conference, haven't we? We have, yes. In London. Yes. How was it? It was awesome, life-changing, just phenomenal, worshipping with 20,000 people. Should we change? Is it better if we change mics, Julie? Yeah. yeah. Which, um, shall I grab one from over here? One, two, one, two. Is that one better, Julie? Yeah. Uh, tell you what, Emma, you sit on that side because the mic's a bit closer and I'll go on the other side. It's summer, so don't worry if it's a bit disjointed. Um, no, worshipping with 20,000 other people. Um, you really realise how much of an impact Jesus is having on people. We are in revival. Yeah. You know, we hunger for revival, but we are in revival. He is changing lives and... Just to see the young people as well on fire for God and what these people are going to do once they leave conference is just phenomenal. So, Emma, right? Point of this, relax. <laughs> can, you, can we have a round of applause for Emma? Can we do that? Like, even if you don't really know her. All right, Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself. We, 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 we chatted and, and kind of got to know and, and the background and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And if we start at the beginning, right, kind of home life okay. growing up for you, what, what was it like growing up for you? Where did you grow? I, I mean, I don't really want to ask you where you grew up. Cause it was <laughs> so I grew up in Stratford, which is right near Manchester United's ground. Woohoo! Anybody? Anybody? Uh, no, <laughs> so I'm on my own. Um, so I grew up in Stratford. I am the oldest. I have two younger brothers. And I grew up on one of the roughest council estates in Stratford. Mum and Dad both worked. We just ended up there because it was my Nana's house and they moved there and just never moved. So, yeah, that's where I grew up. Mum was a housewife and my dad was a welder. And... and your dad, in one sense, is quite significant in this story. Dad's always significant to mums, but <laughs> your dad was significant for the wrong reasons, really, wasn't he? Yeah, so I had two different childhoods because my dad was an alcoholic. Well, he still is. Um, so 
there were times where it was very happy and we did family things and there was times when it was extremely sad because of how he was. How bad? How, how, because, I mean, we're not on about just... I mean, there were some significant things that, that went on, weren't there? I mean, yeah, he was never violent, but he was very controlling. If the sky was pink, the sky was pink. You didn't argue with him. I was really scared of him. Um, it wasn't just drink as it progressed. It was drugs as well. So he would, like, all weekend, he would go out drinking, and he'd come home, and he would have a sleep, and then he would wake up, and the atmosphere in the house was just horrific. Um, he would he wouldn't hit me, but he did hit my brothers, and they got quite a, a brunt of it. Um, as a result, my brother, El, well, the second youngest, he he has been an alcoholic all his life as well, and obviously I've seen that effect on my nephews. So it's just it's always been part of my life. It's always been there. And he, he wanted to change, didn't he? You, you said he, he, you know, he, he would say, "I'm, I'm going to change." I'm gonna oh change. yeah, I mean, he's. Oh, I've been in every single hospital in Greater Manchester because of my dad and his lifestyle. So he's had a heart attack. He actually died and was brought back to life. He was going to change then. He's had a burst appendix, abscesses. Um, he's fallen over and crushed his hip. He's so many things and every time he was going to change and he would for about six months and it would be amazing and wonderful and then he'd go out again and we would just start it would just start again yeah. and the, so the recent heart attack that that's obviously been significant he's i think he, he's had his leg no out, the, yeah or? so the most recent thing is he had, well about 12 18 months ago he was very ill and my dad has been at death's door many times. I've been in hospitals thinking he's never going to come through this. And this was, he was going to have his leg amputated. And um, we prayed Alice specifically because she didn't want to lose her granddad. And Alice prayed an awful lot. And at this point, I really did think this is it. You know, his lifestyle, we are going to lose him. But now he pulled through. Not only has he pulled through, but for the past 12 months, he hasn't been out drinking. He, we're actually getting a relationship back with him. For a very long time, like I would have said I lost my dad many years ago to drink and drugs. And I was just really cross with him. But over the past 12 months, we're actually having a relationship with him again. And that's just amazing to see. And it's also amazing for Alice and Charlie as well. Because there was a period where he wasn't in their lives much because of the drink and the drugs. And it's nice. I mean, we stayed over at my mum's not so long ago for a weekend. And my dad was teaching Charlie how to play cards. And it was just amazing to see. And I truly believe that, that it was Alice's prayers that brought him and changed him. When we talked, you, we, I specifically asked you on that and the power of prayer and faith yeah, ultimately and that's done this, yeah, has changed it. I think children have such a strong faith because they've not been through what we've been through. So they have ultimate belief when they're praying. If I really need prayer for something, I find children and ask them. <laughs> and Jesus tells us, doesn't he, that there's no faith like, you know, like children. So... 
So yeah. I'm really glad you said that because I thought I was the only one who did that. <laughs> I literally, I'll go to our, I go to the youngest. Like it, it started off being our Sophie, and and I remember we didn't have a house, and I remember every night she must have only been about three. I don't even think she knew what we were, what she was praying for. To be quite honest, that didn't matter as far as I was concerned. Just say the words, girl. God's listening. Let's do it together. Let's agree. And and let's. But but when there's children, there is something powerful about that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you 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 touched on your brother. He he. I mean, his situation got so bad. So yeah, it was around the same time my dad was having his leg amputated. Um, my brother had decided to go into rehab, and it was literally a day before his stomach swelled up really badly, and he was in liver failure. So the hospital said that he would have to stop drinking for 12 to 18 months to be put on a transplant for a liver and that he would have to have his stomach drained every week. And he did, he would go in and he'd have to have his stomach drained. And every time he went in, they kept on saying to him, the only way out of this is a liver transplant. Your liver's gone. And my mum had seen my face. My mum grew up a Catholic, but kind of didn't have faith. And then I'm, I asked her, mum, do you believe in Jesus? And she said, I do, because I've seen your faith. I don't want to go to church, Emma, but I do believe in him. I really do. So my mum was really fraught when this happened because obviously it's a son. And I said, mum, the only thing that's going to turn this around is God. And you know he can heal because obviously we've had things with Charlie. So you've just got to pray on this. And I, you know, I'm going to pray as well. And we're just going to pray this. And 12 months later, he went for his transplant appointment. And um, his liver had regenerated and he doesn't need to have a liver transplant. And he's changed his life around. He's now a porter at um, Manchester Hospital and he's helping others. And yeah, so it's awesome. Come on, that's really, that's... <laughs> so... You, you, I suppose people have possibly pieced this together anyway, but, but growing up, you, you weren't, there wasn't a Christian household. No, no, there was no, you, no. Was your mum a Catholic, I think? Mum was a Catholic and had a horrific experience where they were caned if they didn't go to church on a Sunday. They were told that their soul would turn black if they didn't pray and purgatory and all of that. So she was adamant that we wouldn't be brought up that way. So when she got married, she got married in a C of E church and we had no faith, apart from what was taught at school. Yeah. Now, I think every pastor's wanted to say that to the congregation. You'll go to hell if you don't turn up next Sunday, so make <laughs> sure you're here. But it's not true. Let's be honest about it. It is not true. We're not saved because no, of coming to church. Not. We come to church because we're saved to, and because God wants us here. He wants us to have that community that we're that light. But anyway, I'm preaching not about that. Um, so growing up, you, you, the, the, there wasn't that faith. You didn't have that no. connection. How I'm did you end up? How did you end up? What was your first contact with? So first contact with God was probably at school and I could feel something and I would pray and we were given a Gideon's Bible and I would read it and... You didn't rip it up like me then? No, though. I didn't rip it up. I did read it and I, I did sense the presence. But when I was about 15, a little girl that I babysat for, she was eight, um, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour. And I would pray every night, God, please give this to me and take it away from her because I am older 
and stronger and I can fight this and she can't. And unfortunately she died and it hit me extremely hard and I couldn't understand a God that would do that because I, I saw what she went through as well. And I remember, I think it was her funeral, I said to God, I am done with you. I am finished. And you literally, you, you really fulfilled on that. Oh, absolutely. You didn't just, oh, re- no. you know, <laughs> you, you went the other way, really. I was you? You a complete, would, you say. yeah, I was a complete atheist. I searched for my spirituality in everything but God. Um, I've done the lot. Tarot cards, Wicca, mysticism, um, Buddha, uh, everything. I, I, do you know, I always think, in fact, I think it was Vicky who said it first. There was a, 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 f- a lady she was talking to, and she said, uh, you know, I've told God, I, I, I don't believe in you. Was it? I think that was what, what this lady said. And, and Vicky rightly pointed out, how can you, if you don't believe in God, like, how can you talk to him? If you're going <laughs> to tell him you don't, I'm done with you, even though I, I would guess at the time you probably didn't think you believed in God, uh, but look, it, it sounds more like you were angry with him, really, to be quite honest. I w- yeah, I was really angry. And when I look back, he was always there. There was always signs. So I remember when we, I used to go away for the girls for weekends away. If we went to a hotel room, I had to check to see if there was a Bible in the room. Don't know why, just had to. In fact, it was a running joke, and they would all take the mick out of me because I would have to look for a Bible. Um, I loved the Bible stories. Like, obviously, we didn't celebrate Easter, but on an Easter Sunday, I loved sitting down and watching the stories of Jesus. And I think at most, I just thought Jesus was this really nice guy, and people had just exaggerated his story. And so, yeah, so I loved all the, the Bible stories. So you, you, didn't, you, you didn't have a Christian background, in no. that, apart from the, the Catholic, you know, influence mm-hmm. with, on your mum's side. So you weren't hearing about God through your parents. No. If anything, you, your dad's life was very secular and, you know, and drinking and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Your mum's Catholic faith, it, it sounds like it almost put you off, really. I mean, that was certainly put me off. Mm-hmm. Certainly did as a child. So... Uh, but I think you, you ended up in business, didn't you? you the, your children had come along and you ended up in business. And this yeah. was really where you started to hear more about God through, through business, really, actually, wasn't it, Emma? Yeah, so um, I, start, I was an Avon lady. Ding dong. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I realised that you can build a big business, make lots of money through it. But with, through everything, you know, you need to develop yourself. So I did a lot of personal development. I did a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring. And I came across a lady called Danny Johnson. And I started to do all her courses. And at the time, my business was probably turning over a thousand pounds a month. And I had three t- team members. And I started to do what she said. And I think it was literally within six months I had over 300 team members and was turning over 40,000 pounds a month in business. And she very much teaches from the Bible. Everything that she teaches comes from God. And I mean, at the time I would have team trainings and I would say, she's a bit goddy, but if you ignore that and just listen to the business bits, it will be great. And um, one night, 
I was just sat there and I was watching a business mentoring videos and she does spirit ones as well and this one night I just thought I'm going to watch a spirit one then I watched another one and I just thought there might be something in this now Danny Johnson is a multimillionaire and she never comes to London I was this point I was saving up to go and see her it was something like two thousand pounds to go on her three-day course in America and I looked up to the sky and I just said God if you are real I want a big sign tomorrow, big, and I'll believe in you. If there's no sign, then, you know, I'll just leave the spirit stuff and we'll just carry on with the business. Then the next day, I turn on my phone and there's an advert. Danny Johnson's coming to London and it's 80 pound a ticket. So he got my attention big time. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you, when we were talking and, and talking about this, there's another way. Was the, the phrase you, you used is you don't have to just do business with the business principles, but actually there's a faith way, there's yeah. a more powerful way. She was, She's very much about, it's not about the money, it's about looking after people, it's about listening to them, it's about caring for them. Very, very, based very much on Jesus' teachings. Um, and that's why my business exploded, because instead of me saying to them, you have to do this, you have to do that. I was saying to them, what do you want? Let's do what you want. Let's develop you. Let's help you. Um, and so, yeah, that's what she teaches. You know, if you think about it, uh, just picking up on that really from your testimony there or, or from Danny Johnson in one sense, you're kind of listening to all of this and your first thought is, oh, these are great principles. This person's successful. She's doing well and the principles work, I'll put them into practice, but I'll ignore the kind of, the God aspect that she's talking about and almost telling other people to do that. But it was going in. And I, I'm just thinking, I know there's a lot of people in, in church who are in business or who are, you know, they've got connections and friends maybe in the playground at church, at school or whatever, or, you know, in, in your, whatever you're doing with your life. But your influence matters. Your inf the f just the very fact that you are a Christian yeah. matters. You uh, Listen, it's great if you, there's an opportunity, if someone's asking you a question. I know this is going slightly away from your testimony, really, but I'm, I'm really wanting to use your testimony to, to pick up on it and encourage us here, church, that, you know, e even if, if you get an opportunity to preach, that's great, but just the fact that people know you're a Christian and that you're doing life well. You know, I, I know Wayne works in the, in the council in, in Wigan and whatever, and, and uh, it's getting harder and harder to talk about your faith, isn't it? You prob probably most of us can't sit there and start talking about our faith in the workplace. It's probably more difficult, or you fi and find yourself looking over your shoulder if you say something, or it's in hushed tones and all of this kind of stuff. But actually, just the fact that you're a Christian, and you're the, Bible says we're living epistles. We are the word of, we are the Bible to the people around us, read and known of all men. Um, I mean, you, I think you, there was three things you said that Danny had, had really put into you when you summed it up. One was that you related to her. Mm -hmm. and, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm drawing this out, you know, in, in worship, we relate to God, we connect with God. 
in the workplace, in outside the church, relate with people, guys. Connect with them. Spend time with people. Don't listen to learn. Don't talk to let them know what you want them to know. Spend your time with people to connect with them so that they can connect with you and relate with you. They'll, so, they'll, they'll want to know, won't they? Yeah. Um, you talked about God loves the broken. I think you, you'd said that you'd, yeah, you'd so got that from, from her, yeah. hadn't you? I, I just had this perception that God only loved holy people. You know, they go to church on a Sunday and they're Sunday best and they look amazing and wonderful. And Danny came from a very broken home. She was abused. Um, she had a really, really bad life. And she was, she was at the point of where she was going to do something really bad. And she said she was on a, the beach and she just heard God say to her, pick up your mat and walk. And she did. And she said she just felt for the first time loved and worthy. So for the first time, I was introduced to the fact that if Jesus can love her, he can love me too. It's not just what I had seen through like the Catholic Church and the C of E Church. Because this, our church is not really the norm in the UK, if unless you're in Christian circles. It's it's the Catholic and the C of E Church. And so all of a sudden I had this woman in front of me who had been through so, so much and like I say, if Jesus could love her, he could love me. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. And we're not, listen, this isn't about trying to big up this. I don't even know this Danny Johnson, the first no. time I've kind of <laughs> heard of it. In one sense, it's slightly irrelevant because it, it, where it, God can use anyone, any any person whatsoever. So we're, we're not trying to say, I don't know anything about Danny I Johnson. I don't know what she's yeah, like. but She would be the absolute first to say, oh, glory to God. Yeah. None of it's me. Yeah. None of it's me. I think the point of this is that, you know, we can we can be that influence in other people's lives. You matter. You matter. You know, that I'm, I'm looking out, I think of Sue working in Ikea. You matter, Sue. You matter. Those people will, you, you might not have said too much, they will know you go to church on a Sunday and they're seeing it and you matter. You matter. Just your presence there is speaking into their lives. Dave, in a, in a business context, you know, so many of us here, you know, Rachel working in Starbucks and, and on and on and on we could go on. You, every one of you, you matter what you're doing. You absolutely matter. Um, so you, there, was a, there was a moment really where you started to, to seek God more. You became mm -hmm. hungry. Yeah. Uh, and I think you went home and spoke to Dave, your husband, didn't you? Yeah, so obviously I was a huge atheist and all of a sudden I'm thinking I love God and what do I do with this? So I said to Dave, I think I believe in God and I don't know what to do. And he said, well, it just means we go to church on a Sunday, perhaps. And he was really supportive. So, But it, it wasn't smooth. I mean, in no. one sense, I'm, I'm, we're talking this through, right? And, and you're telling me all of this story. And, 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 and I'm like, okay, tell me about how you, you know, came to, mm -hmm. to know God, came to be a Christian, all this kind of stuff. You're saying all this stuff about this Danny Johnson and the faith, and you're seeing all of this. And then you tell Dave and thinking, okay, so the, yeah. this, you can see where this story's going. Then starts going to church and happily ever after and all of that. But it didn't go no. like that, did it? No. Um, I think I discovered Bethel 
online and really just fell in love. It really spoke to me. I didn't really know if there was any churches like that over here. But I was looking for it and then Alice got really ill. So Alice has got a heart condition where her heart will beat to over 200 beats per minute. It's like um, an electrical fault in the brain. And we'd always dealt with it. Um, we, we've got these techniques that kind of bring her back. But all of a sudden, she started to collapse on us, just out of the blue. And Charlie was having these hor horrific meltdowns. And we had no idea. So it was for about two or three months, she was constantly just collapsing. And we were having to phone ambulances. And she'd had a heart monitor on. And she was being looked after by a cardiologist. And they were saying, a heart's fine. It's got to be something to do with stress or... And we had a phone number for CAMS. And at this point, Charlie's really, like, just screaming and shouting. And he's threatening to kill himself. And he's six. And he's an infant. And this is all really confusing to me and Dave because we have a nice life, a nice home. And why is he behaving this way? He doesn't watch anything. And it was actually Easter weekend. I was doing the pots, and he picked up a knife, and he tried to use it. He fully intended to try and kill himself. And I managed to calm him down, and I took the knife off him, and I'd had the phone number for cams for Alice, phoned them. Psychologists phoned me straight back, and they had us in the very next day. And they took Alice in, and they took Charlie in, and they spoke to them, and they came out, and they said, Charlie's being severely bullied at school, severely. Alice has witnessed him on the floor with boys around, kicking him in the stomach. And the teachers are telling Alice not to tell you, and that's why she's having these incidents, you pull them out now. That's your only option if you're going to recover from this. And the meltdowns is PTSD. So we did, we pulled them out and we homeschooled for 12 months. They, they said, didn't they, that if you pull him out, it'll be... He'll be fine. Pull him out it, because the school had triggers. So if we pulled him out... Slowly but surely, he would recover and everything would be fine. But it wasn't, was it? No, unfortunately not. Um, I had, um, through my business, I had people that lived up this way realise that the houses were a lot cheaper than where, because we couldn't afford to move from the area where we lived. That was the best school in the area. So we... Um, so. We managed, to, we bought a house in Goldbourne. It was a nice area, quiet, full intention of the children going back to school, which they did. And then Charlie started having these meltdowns again. And it was 24-7, him screaming, attacking us, swearing, smashing the house up. And we just had no idea why. And you ended up having to give up the business, I think, at this point had as to, well. Had to, yeah. I had to give up everything to become his full-time carer. I gave up my business. We had so many agencies involved. Social services told us and doctors he would never get better. The only way Dave and I would survive is through respite because he didn't sleep either. It was just, it was just constant. Um, they were going to pad his room, so everything was going to be taken out of his room and it was going to be padded and locked. They were going to put reinforced glass. That's how bad he was. But it did get better in the end, didn't it? It did. There was a, a positive influence. Yeah. A couple of teachers, apparently. 
So there was two teachers at his new school and they were Christians. And one of them, the head teacher, is actually very good friends with Carol Draycott. And I always think God's in the detail. Then there is a reason. <laughs> yeah. So um, th- Mrs. Brindle was the first person that said, we think Charlie's got autism. And, you know, so um, obviously he's, he's being really bad. He doesn't sleep. And then one night, just out the blue, he slept. And me and Dave were like, this is amazing what's happened. And I went into school and told the teachers, these two Christian ladies that were looking after us, and they said, we prayed last night for peace over your household. And I just thought, oh, there might be something in this prayer thing as well. So you, uh, what did you do with that? Uh, obviously, you, you, again, there's this... So, yeah, so um, they had a mum's group. So one of the Christian ladies, she ran a mum's group. It was at the local church, and she invited me for coffee. And at this point, I am the most broken I have ever been. Dave and I are fighting constantly because of the stress. My business, which was hugely successful, I'd been on the radio, I'd been on the TV talking about it. It was now nothing. I had to give it up. I was totally and utterly broken. And... I would go to this mum's group on a Wednesday and it was in a church and there was worship music and the only time I ever felt peace was in the mum's group with the worship music. And so you you ended up going to church, didn't you? You started going to church. Yeah, it wasn't we started, yeah, we started going to church. Charlie's always had a faith. So even from him being very little and me telling him, There's no such thing as God, and you're not to believe in him. And what they teach you at school is rubbish. He would come home and say, but mummy, I love God, and I know he's real. So that coupled with Charlie's faith, I thought church could only help Charlie because there was nothing. There was nothing else that was making him better. The doctors said he couldn't get better. The agency said he couldn't get better. So I thought, well, let's try church. So we went Okay, and then we first met you a couple about two years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you'd um, we we sat with you and Dave and me and Vicky and we all just kind of sat together and I think you'd been through a tough time. It hadn't that, that initial church experience hadn't been what you'd expected. We had um, we definitely found Jesus there. Charlie definitely found healing. I mean, you've all met Charlie. His tantrums have gone. He's well, the, the meltdowns have gone. Because um, I would just pray over him. Mm. He's had amazing healings. He has got better. We don't have to have respite. He's done amazingly well in ma- mainstream school and all glory to God. All his healing is through Jesus. The doctor said he could not get better, and my boy got better because Jesus healed him. And he's still getting better, Emma. And he's still getting better. He's still getting better. And I, every day, I pray that the autism will go, that he will be healed. And I truly believe one day my boy is going to be on a stage telling everyone how Jesus healed him of autism. Come on. Come on. Truly do. Come on. So, so yeah, so church, so we found Jesus there and we found great healing, but it wasn't an amazing experience in all. Mm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult bit, this, isn't it? Because 
it just, it, it, I think um, the experience you had of church was, I don't want to... <laughs> it was controlling. Um, God didn't speak to you. He spoke to you through your pastor. You couldn't watch things. You, could, you couldn't, I mean, even Hillsong was a big no-no. Um, everything was controlled, everything. And I, you know what? I, I think um, this isn't about bigging up our church, but the if you if anyone knows about church history, when when church has gone wrong, it, it, it's been when the preaching has been wrong, when the message has been wrong. It's not aligned with what the word actually says when it's been uh, uh, about trying to grow a kingdom uh, other than God's kingdom. Um, the, it, before the reformation of church, it was the Bible was chained to the pulpit. Mm. You, you could only access God through the priest. That was the way you weren't worthy to come to God. And I, I hope people hear the message here, that the message is constantly that we don't need others to access God I, I, I want our congregation we want our congregation to to be accessing God 24 7 every day of the week having spiritual experiences and spiritual encounters and it's not that we're saying church isn't important actually for me that makes church even more important yeah. because we want this place to be a, yeah. a, a home a thriving place where more and more people come and hear that good news and where we can all grow together and and that's it isn't yeah it? And you've 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 experienced that. You felt that. Oh yeah. I mean, we came here very scared and very broken. I I knew I had to leave the church because Jesus told me to. He said, "This is not me." So I knew I had to leave. And when I came here, I truly found Jesus here. I will never take the freedom I have in my faith for granted. And I will ask you if you could pray for those that don't have that freedom in their faith and it's it's not just within church it's within countries where they you know they feel the holy spirit and they could die they could they're persecuted because of their faith and so when you come here on a sunday never take it for granted that you can worship your god in complete freedom it's just awesome i i um there's a saying that says until you find your tribe, you'll never be, you'll, you'll, you'll always be restless. I found my tribe here. I adore Hope Church and every single person in it. And you helped my family. We walked through this door and now I hope that we are doing things that glorify God, God's kingdom the only thing I want to do is to build his kingdom and for yeah. as many people as possible to know Jesus. That's all I want to do for the rest of my days on this earth. So thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Come on. That's amazing. That's amazing. Any, um, I'm going to throw a few random questions out now. Okay. 
Um, what was the? I mean, we've just been away at a conference, uh, mm -hmm. which is an easy, an easy one, really. What, um, has God spoken to you? Oh, what, absolutely. What, 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 what did you? What was the best thing you brought back? Would the, you say um, we're not to put him in a box? We are to look for miracles, signs, and wonders. We are to believe in the supernatural powers of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we can perform what the the miracles that He performed. We just need to believe and have faith. You know, um, Bill Johnson and the things that they do in Bethel is just phenomenal. Like he said about the shopping, he told a story about they have people that go into the shops and they preach over people and they heal people. And someone came to him and said, can I join your shopping ministry? And he was like, we don't have a shopping ministry. Our people just go to the shops. And that's how things it should just be. Happen. Yeah, things just happen. Yeah. Incredible, Emma. Thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Ah, oh, it's been good. Any final words? No, just thank you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.